0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You see that lightning bolt. You see that electricity. And that's what we got to bring in today for our guests we have. And we welcome in a man who has a nose for the football, a family man. Now, this tackling machine had 549 tackles, eight and a half sacks and 10 interceptions across his six NFL seasons, earning all pro and a three time pro bowler off the field. He's an entrepreneur, co-founding Zone in CBD and 1937 Farms. I mean, maybe he could have been an actor mm-hmm. as he has a perfect imitation of a Christmas story and ties with Nathan, with Nathan Kress. That's Freddie from iCarly, for those that don't know. Now, I don't want you to think he's lazy or loafs around because he is the Polynesian lion. We welcome in Lofa Tatupu. What is going on, my man?
1: Fellas, well, quite the introduction. I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, and thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming on. You know, first and foremost, how are you and your family doing? How's the off season treating you? I know that you do a little bit of podcasting in season for the Seahawks.
1: Yeah, hey, family's good, business is good, and uh, yeah, I recently—it's been about two years now—got my own podcast, Believe in Seahawks, on the Believe Podcast Network, and uh, it's uh, picking up steam. And it's uh, there's no off season, I guess, when you know with uh, free agency and everything that's going on, the draft coming up. So we've been busy, especially, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the moves that we've made, uh, Russell Wilson, you know, in Denver, and then yeah, Bobby Denver. Wagner. I just heard he was uh, down visiting with the Rams. So that's not yeah. too awesome, not for us anyways.
0: It is actually crazy, the NFL offseason we've had. I heard a record eight Pro Bowlers were traded, which just kind of signifies that there's been a lot of move, but the NFL landscape is going to definitely look different.
1: Yeah, I saw a meme the other day, it was like, 29 or 30 quarterbacks have been drafted since 06, and not one of them is with their original team.
0: Oh, my gosh. That, that is actually a crazy stat, but I don't want to talk about NFL free agency. I want to go back in the time machine. And Lofa, I want to start with the early years. So you're born in San Diego. You eventually moved to Massachusetts where you play your high school ball at King Philip Regional, and you played on both sides of the ball, quarterback and linebacker. And as a quarterback, you threw for 800 yards and 10 touchdowns, and you added 450 rushing yards and five touchdowns on the ground. I got to put in the rushing stats because we are a fantasy show. Oh. Now, as a linebacker, you made 100 tackles. You're named local high school all-star by the Sun Chronicle in 99 and 2000. And if that's not cool enough, your father who played in the NFL coached the team. I mean, you got you might have the best high school experience out of any athlete we've talked to.
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was fun looking back, but, you know, and I got to play for Cal's dad here in hoops. And uh, I don't know if you know that, but playing for my own dad was uh, it was it was different experience. You know, you're a high school kid. You think you know everything. And, um, you know, I'm over here trying to correct my dad you know, about football when he played in the NFL for 14 years. So you can imagine how that went over. (laughs) I mean, you won, right? You
0: you told him who knows more.
1: Right. <laughs> there was one time I was supposed to throw it to a certain receiver. And, um, you know, I, I'm i not going to say who it was, but I lost confidence. The, the guy had dropped the ball or two. And I was like, you know what? I saw a lane. I'm just going to run the ball. And I ran. I got a touchdown. My coach comes over to me, not my dad, but my coach. And he's like, hey, the offense coach, he's like, why, didn't you, why didn't you just throw the ball? And I was like, you know, what difference does it make? We score. And that was the last time I ever talked back to a coach because – when we got into the locker room, you know, they're like, hey, your dad wants to see you. So as I get into the locker room, he already has, I'm in my pads. He has me off my feet, you know, in the air against the wall. And he said, Don't ever disrespect the coach like that again. And so I well, as soon as they grabbed him and pulled him off me, I dropped, right? I got in my car, full pads. Full pads. Got I left my helmet there, got in my car, and I went to a friend's house and I stayed there for two weeks because I I did not want to go home, so so it was uh, it was trying times, but it was fun uh, looking back. Of course, you know my dad; he's not here; he's not with us any longer. Um, but you know all the times that you know we agreed or disagreed. It was it was so much fun having him as my coach, and I learned so much, and uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything.
0: I mean, that's yeah, go ahead, Calvin.
2: Yeah, Lofa, I was just gonna add in. Obviously, you brought up. My dad was a basketball coach for 30 something years and growing up before high school, he was my coach. And like you said, it definitely wasn't uh, always the greatest time. Whereas I was like, I know what I'm doing. Like, dad, come on now, you don't have to tell me so, but it was so awesome for him to uh, mentor me, not as just a father, but as a sports coach as well. And what I just wanted to add in was how important was um, having your father as your high school coach in How did it channel your success into college and also into the NFL?
1: I think having, you know, that bond of something, just, you know, a passion. We were both very passionate about Mm -hmm. football. And I think that was always something that, you know, brought us closer together, um, you know, as a father and son, you know, and really in our relationship, just, um, you know, we were always talking football. It was, um, you know, and like, he never got tired of it, luckily, because, you know, I was I can't imagine how you know annoying I was as a kid, just continually asking him about his teammates and coaches. And, uh, you know, so I think he wasn't very surprised when I followed in his footsteps. And, um, yeah, man, I cherished it. And all the moments we had, it was
2: incredible.
0: That's, That's awesome. That's awesome. And I mean, hey, we're going to follow the footsteps of your career. And so we're going to go to the collegiate part. So you play University of Maine before transferring to USC, who's a powerhouse at the time. And I want to add that you majored in sociology as well, so that you're, once again, you're living the full college experience. And, I mean, USC at that time, they're known as USC Linebacker U, as many stars in the NFL came from that system, notably Ray Maluga. And during your two years there, I mean, you made your impact felt literally. Once again, 202 tackles, nine sacks, seven interceptions, three fumble recoveries, three forced fumbles, 18 pass deflections, and one tutty. And yes, I said tutty. <laughs> and rightfully so, you received all American honors from Sports Illustrated following the 2004 season. So, I mean, I can't imagine a time where your draft stock's going to be higher. And you declared for the 2005 NFL draft. You selected 45th by the Seahawks. You traded up nine spots to get you. So that's how you know you're wanted. The move drew some scrutiny, but your performance at the end of the day ultimately shut those critics up. Let's be real.
1: I mean, you know, uh, even when I went to Maine, you know, people had, had written me off. They were like, oh, well, you know, he was he was a good high school player. I remember hearing that. And, uh, you know, so had to earn it every step of the way. And then when I transferred from Maine, I remember hearing, you know, he was, he's never going to play. He's never going to play at USC. Um, and in my mind, the picture couldn't have been clear about my future and how I wanted to play in the NFL, but I knew this was the step I needed to take. And so when I transferred, uh, I just kept working my ass off. And uh, when I finally got the opportunity, I made the most of it. And then yet again, as you said, when I, there was a lot of naysayers when I was leaving uh, a year early, undersized, slow, but um, you know, my draft stock was not going to get any higher. You know, even if we, if I came back and we beat Texas and then, that national championship, that fame national championship game, I wouldn't have won the first round. Uh, so I just, uh, I went with my heart as I did in every other move. And, um, you know, I just believed in myself and, and what I was, you know, how much work I was going to put in to get to the next level. And, um, I felt it was time to move on and, and, and it turned out to be the right choice.
2: Yeah, for sure. And like you said, I mean, it's so easy for people to write somebody off, um, say they're not going to make it, they're not big enough, strong enough, whatever it is, um, but they don't see the work that's put in from a day to day. So how did that kind of just motivate you just kind of daily that just to prove everybody wrong, I would say?
1: Yeah, man, it's, um, you know, at, at the time, you know, I really feel like it was just proving everybody wrong, but um, it's incredibly hard to, to block that noise out, you know, as, as a kid when you, you hear it everywhere you look or, you know, Even even reading in the in the paper and stuff, you know, it's it's uh it's tough, you know, to to not have doubts. And um and I'd be lying if I said I didn't when I when I went to Maine. But I think where the confidence came in was when I did finally get my chance. You know, like I said, I worked my ass off, and I was second or third on the depth chart, both at Maine and at USC when I got there. But when I got my chance, I showed what I was capable of and, and, you know, how, how much I love the game and, and my teammates and what we were doing. And so, um, you know, hard work, you can't hide it, man. It's going to show up sooner or later. And and when you finally get the chance, you know,
0: show up and show out. And so that's
1: what I did man.
0: I love yeah. one of the, one of my favorite expressions It's hard work beats talent. When talent fails to work hard working hard. And yeah. I mean, that literally sounds like how kind of you trained, And I mean, look, you get your opportunity with the Seahawks and you perform right out of the gate. So first year, you have 104 tackles, you're named a pro bowler, you help take the Seahawks to their first Super Bowl Bowl appearance in franchise history. So right away, you're an impact player, you're shutting those critics up. The next two years are very similar, and that's definitely a good thing. You lead the Seahawks in tackles, make the Pro Bowl. I mean, heck, you're even named to an All-Pro in 2007. And I also want to point out that we should update to your Wikipedia page to say owner of A.J. Feeley after you intercepted him three times in that December of 2007
1: game. Oh, man. Poor A.J. Hey man. My my bad, man. It was – I I got lucky that game, man. I got
0: lucky. So I, I want to ask you a question because I don't think it's luck. And I think one of the most cliche expressions is he has an eye or he has a nose for the ball but I literally can't think of a better example than you. You're always around the ball, whether it's making tackles, it's intercepting passes, pass deflections, forced fumbles. Not all of these are gimmies. A lot of these are hand-eye coordination involved. And I watched highlights. You These weren't just ducks to you. You you read it really well. Was that something that came naturally to you? Were there any specific drills or routines that really helped you prepare for these game scenarios?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's – studying tape and tendencies and breaking down hours and hours and hours of film and after you perfect your craft is turning your attention to your opponent and knowing your opponent and you know their moves better than they do because we're we're creatures ahead of it. and you know whatever move is our best our go-to move you know we're gonna hold, hold on to that for for the most part or use you know utilize our, our, our specialties and uh so um <coughs> When you when you're done sharpening your game, like I said, you turn your attention to the opposing team and then I just, you keep graduating. I remember in high school, you know, I barely watched film, you know? So that was pure instinct when, you know, most college, most high school kids, now these days they got film, but, you know, we were just going off of like, okay, see ball, get ball, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get to college and, you know, you're in the film room and the coaches are teaching you how to break down film. How to look at offenses what opposing offenses are trying to do to to beat your defense and it becomes going from checkers to chess man it really is that analogy is that like you can play on a whole different level and a whole nother speed if you know what's coming and so that's what uh it really becomes mathematical is how i always look at the game whether it was the formation and i mean you know we used to call it two by two three by one just the sets and i would recognize patterns and that's i, I really believe that's how i was able to all the interceptions and all the all the tackles for losses, all the big plays, they were made before I even physically made them. I, I had already pictured them in my head.
0: So I read that your approach, your studious habits really a lot of people gravitated towards you, even veterans. Do you think you kind of helped change the Seahawks culture? Because I don't think it's a coincidence the year you get drafted is the first year they make the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, we we got over the hump because they were always knocking on the door. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, I would say my draft class, because, you know, Leroy Hill was also in there, two starters, you know, uh, two guys that they had said, you know, were not good enough to be drafted in the second, third round, found themselves on, on the, the starting defense in the Super Bowl, uh, which is pretty incredible rookies. But, um, you know, I would say there was, they had a great offense, and then with inserting myself and Leroy, and then there was some free agent acquisitions, uh, Marquand Manuel. There was a lot of, you know, guys that really contributed because we led the league in sacks and not one person had double digit sacks. If that isn't the most complete group, group effort, then I don't know what it is. We had several guys with seven, eight sacks, a couple with five. It's um, so we all pitched in. And I mean, with that, that's true team ball right there. And, uh, and we lived on the big play. We got a lot of turnovers. We shut people down in the red zone. Um, it was uh, it was one of the most fun years I had playing football. And uh, I don't know if I changed the culture, but um, I like to think that me and Leroy brought a little bit of nastiness to it. Uh, you know, they
0: You're a little bit of an edge. Yeah, you have. To. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I, I like. To, this I like is to. this is where you go and you flex the muscles and tattoos that you have. I mean, yeah, there we go. There we go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> And your,
2: uh, your quarterback, Matt Hasselback, another Massachusetts native, in addition to that, um, your father and his father, Don, played on the Patriots together. How was it um, with his leadership as a quarterback, and what kind of teammate was he?
1: Oh, Matt's a stud. Uh, everybody loved playing for Matt, you know, because at quarterback, you want to have a guy that's tough and that, you know, you know that he's got your back. And uh, he always did, man. Uh, there's so many times, especially – uh, 2006, uh, when we were trying to repeat to get back to the championship and, uh, and Super Bowl, that you know the targets on your back, and um, you know whether the opposing team scored on us or whatever. There, I remember there was at least three or four games that Matt led game-winning drives that year, and it was uh, it was clear that you know he was he was saving us in a lot of those situations. Um, but um, he had one. He has one of the best. I don't think he gets enough credit at at the timing and precision of throwing the ball mm-hmm. I, you know there were very few he threw guys open all the time and that's a you know phrase where you hear all oh, the, the guys covered blanket coverage man the guy's all over him. but he threw it to an area where the guy can get open and just his receiver had a chance at it but there were some timing routes where you know when we're watching we're like oh he's not going to throw that is he like <laughs> don't, don't throw that but he threw it and I'm talking while getting hit. And as the receiver comes out of his break, it's right there, just over the shoulder, in the chest, between the numbers. It was just some of the most, you know, poetry emotion, and you know, some of the most beautiful football I ever get to watch.
0: Yeah. And I, I feel bad because this is before the age of social media. So he's not getting, you know, if he makes those throws, it's not getting, you know, a right. highlight on sports center. People aren't talking about it on social media the way they do now. But if I want to go back. To your time with Seattle. So after the 2008 season, you secured the bag rightfully so. Seattle's they paid you a six year extension through 2015, which at the time made you one of the highest six pay linebackers in the league. So, you know, you got to get that money. And unfortunately, during the 2009 season, you tore your left pictorial and you're out for the season. The first major injury that made you miss games. And you bounced back the next season in 2010. You played with 88 tackles, a sack, an interception, and a touchdown, playing all 16 games. However, after the season, the Seahawks released you after both parties could not come to an agreement on a restructured contract. Now, I think we all joke about a non-existent salary cap. We see players restructure deals, even after one year into a multi-year signing. I'm curious to hear the process of when a team approaches you about restructuring. Is it basically an ultimatum, or is there a negotiation, or is there a negotiating similar to when you sign a contract? I think
1: every situation is different, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I know I can only speak from my perspective and what happened, you know, with, with my case. Um, you know, the guaranteed money's up, and when guaranteed's up, there, there's nothing guaranteed. Literally, that's you know what they say. You're only guaranteed to get what your guarantee is written mm-hmm. in. And so, and I understand that it's a business. And, um, so, you know, I had a conversation, you know, with, uh, with John and Pete and, um, I, you know, they were going in a different direction. It's kind of similar to what's going on now. Like, you know, back in 2010, they moved on from Hasselbeck and myself and just much similar to how they're doing it with Russ and Bobby. And so Mm -hmm. in my situation, it kind of felt like, you know, I, I got, I had the talks with them, kind of did my homework and, um, it felt like it was that the price reduction that that they I'm not gonna get into specifics, but at the price reduction sure. I wanted, I just didn't feel like um that was a fair deal. And mm-hmm. this this is business. So there's no hard feelings, no emotions in business and um and we agreed to move on. That's just, that's just what it is. And so, but yeah, I'm sure with a lot of players, it's uh, there's a negotiation that happens. And, um, and I guess you could say that's what happened when I was talking to John and Pete, but it just, it didn't work out. And so uh, we mutually parted ways.
0: Yeah. And you know, I think a lot of people forget that it is a business. This is your livelihood. And what we're seeing with players now is even with like we had mentioned so many stars getting traded, people are wanting to make as much money as they can for them, for their family, for years to come. And I don't blame you for saying, look, I value myself at a certain number. So, I I mean, props to you and and your relationship with the Seahawks community is obviously still great as you're, you know, doing the podcast.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, also like schematically, we were doing some things that really didn't best suit uh, my skill set, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it's just – if we were going to stay with that defense, that was not, you know, conducive to a, you know, productive another year for me. I mean, as you can see, dropped to 88
0: tackles. It was, uh, it was tough. You make it so, seem like that's a low number. That's it, not. I mean, you know. Maybe by your standards, but in yes, general.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. You know, my standards, you know, you ask Cal and his dad. You know, I was, <laughs> I, I was a horrible basketball player, but I was yelling at everybody like I was the best. Like, yeah. Every,
2: I don't think I heard it that way. Hey, you always need the football guys on the basketball team though, right?
1: Absolutely. But, uh, you know, it's just, you know, if you're going to do anything, you put everything into it. And that's, you know, even like I was saying with basketball, I did that, even though I was not a basketball player. Um, But uh, so it's, uh, you know, you really, I'm glad the guys are actually part of the conversation these days is really what I'd say Mm -hmm. in terms of, um, you know, having a say in their future. know and what happens because for so long in football in particular it was hey man you know here today gone tomorrow or like you know you're hot until you're not like it's okay what have you done for me lately kind of a league and so it's good to see some of these guys get an opportunity to to you know put their or or write their own story and legacy uh so to speak and uh it started with quarterbacks but i think uh, hopefully it's going to trickle down to all the other position players too um but yeah and then you know it's a top-notch organization and uh still like like you alluded to still very close with them um they they still invite me to a ton of charity events and, and everything um and, and get to do a lot of stuff in the community so forever grateful for the, the relationship that i have with them and, and it's just it started with the late paul allen who was our owner and um you know the trickle-down effect was real he 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 changed so many lives and you did so much good that, um, you know, it's, it was important to the whole organization to do the same.
2: Yeah. And uh, just staying on the topic of finances before we move on, I know there's a lot of young guys where they get drafted and they're just making so much money, um, especially from people that come from poor backgrounds. It's more money than they could ever imagine. So for you in that position, would you say you had um, people around you that had your best interests and did it take time for you to know how to manage your money, or were you taught that yourself?
1: Yeah, no, it's a learning experience because you know it's uh, it really is. Once you go through it, you know you have to go through it too, too to really learn. And so um, you know, had the benefit of some great people around me, um, also people that I trust, older players that you lean on. Like, hey, how did you do it? If you could do anything differently, so it's uh, like I said, learning experience, and um, just grateful for all the people I've had around me um, in the time, you know.
0: Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, Lofa, you know, you weren't done with the game of football. I mean, you, you joined the Seahawks in 2015. You're the assistant linebacker coach for two years. and But I'd be remiss. We didn't talk about some of the current ventures you have, including zone in CBD. So I kind of want to give you the floor a little bit to talk about how you got into that and some of the services and products you offer.
1: Yeah. Uh, so we talked, we hit a little bit about the injuries that I went through in 09. But I mean, man, if I could really break it down, it was... From 2005 to 2010, or really 13, which is when I officially, I'd say crawl, crawled away from the game, not walked away. Um, you know, I had 10 surgeries and you know a little over 15 concussions, so probably about three or four per year uh, over that span of time. And uh, you know, I didn't realize the the damage or the trauma. You know, physically, yeah. You know, you, you kind of go in, understanding. there's going to be some sacrifice, especially I watched my dad go through it, you know, and I watched his body break down too, as he got older, um, but mentally and emotionally, and people are starting to realize how important that mental health is because when I had my best body back in, you know, 15 years ago when I was 25, I did not have my best mental health and we're starting to see people really uh pay attention to it and i think it's important because that that's what gets everything going and gets everything right or keeps everything in balance and uh so when i left the game like i said man uh, i wasn't working out anymore i was kind of just going through the motions of life um, still grateful for for everything that i've been able to do and uh, been blessed with but there was definitely you know that drive missing from you know the, the day-to-day grind and uh Um, lucky to get back into coaching, which brought me back out here. And I got into the cannabis, um, into the cannabis industry. And so with that, 1937 Farms was born and me and my business partner, Matt McCoy, we own and operate that. He, he runs that one. And then, um, as the, you know, as the industry kept going, as it kept going in the industry, I started hearing more and more about CBD and, uh so i just started doing my research my due diligence what it was and i was just hearing so many miracle stories that it caught my attention i was like "Yo, i i i took it for like aches and pains right and i didn't know it was going to rewire my whole brain into um the most positive outlook and perspective and and even like i mean it's it's healed so much more than just my body because when you get that mind right you're unstoppable and, and that's really, you know, but the, even to fight the stigma uh, of hemp, which, you know, it's a cannabis plant. We, you know, named it Zone In, which is uh, off of, uh, you know, being in the zone or okay. positive psychology, you know, flow state. So that's how I feel. I feel like everything's effortless now. Um, you know, even even talking and podcasting, that used to be a task for me back in the day. Um, and now it feels like it comes you know pretty naturally you know? so grateful for what even three years before i started zoning in I was just buying quality full spectrum product oil and handing out to friends and family and watching them like turn into the best versions of themselves and i think you know that's really what we can hope for in life is you know on top of all the good we're you know we're here to do good you know as much as we can because we're not here very long like i said my dad died at 54 if i'm lucky, I get fourteen more years like he did, um, and you know, that, on wood, we knock yeah, on wood that yeah, it's yeah. longer. That it's longer. I'll, I'll be grateful if I get another fourteen, and you know, and uh, because you know, so many the other perspective is like, oh wow, he died so young. He died at fifty-four, and that's you know re- re- relatively young, but he lived, man. And I think there's not a lot of people that live, and that's that's the sad yeah. part, you
2: know.
0: And I think there is such an emphasis now and we're seeing a lot of former players themselves, Calvin Johnson, Al Harrington, who played basketball, these athletes that have played this sport for years. And I think the normal person doesn't realize the toll that it takes on your body, your mental health, especially after you transition for the game and you're looking for those next ventures that it's something that really does help. And I think there, like you said, the stigma hasn't always been positive around it, but I think we're, we're kind of changing that gradually. And um, I'm glad that you're, you know, kinda of leading that movement a little bit. Um yeah,
1: trying to do my part and spread the message and I mean, it's this is this is the plan I fully believe is going to save us all, man. You know, as, you know, a society with everything that's going on, all of the messed up things that are going on. Um this is stuff I mean, we we if we all heal ourselves individually, we're only going to put out better stuff, you know. And um uh, that's that's really what it comes down to is uh man, I I mean, it's just, it's made me so grateful and, and happy, not high, you know? I mean, there's a time and place. I, <laughs> you know, I love THC. I do, you know? Uh, I'm not ashamed to say it. But uh, with, with CBD, it's just, it's put me in such a positive mental, you know, um, mind frame that, you know, like anything's possible. It's, it's its brought me back to when I was young. And mm-hmm. I was attacking the dream of being in the NFL. And um, I think I'm just grateful that i this is something I'm passionate about because it's helping people, you know, And football, I, you know, I was hurting probably a few too many people on top of myself, but you know, I, I do, you know, every now and then I get somebody hit me up and say, Hey man, you know, I have memories of me and my father watching you play football. And I was like, All right, well, at least I helped somebody. Yeah. <laughs> but, but now I'm really, I'm helping put, put people back together, you know, much like I, it put me back together. It's, uh, it's, it's special to me in that regard.
0: We're talking with Lofa Tatupu, the Seahawks linebacker, the motivational man, the entrepreneur. Lofa, we like to get our guests out of here with a little triple play rapid fire. Are you game? Yes. Yeah. Okay. First, we we do have to plug our new sponsor. And for those that are not aware, triple play fantasy, we are an affiliate of Odds Jam. So I'm going to give you the quick lowdown of Odds Jam tomorrow. Um, you know, The Twins, for example, are plus 180 on BetMGM. They're plus 215 on FoxBet. Could you ever imagine placing a bet plus 180 odds on BetMGM if you knew you were getting plus 215 on FoxBet? It's absurd. Um, Now, if you think these discrepancies in odds, like the difference even between plus 200 and plus 215 is small, then there is a massive, massive flaw. There you go. I mean, we, we see it right there. For those that are in the sports betting industry or like to gamble, go to oddsdam.com. You can use the referral code triple play. You get a nice little seven-day trial there. But enough corporate plug. Lofa, we're going to do some rapid fire. I hope you're ready. These are not all football questions, and you probably haven't been asked some of these before. Game? All
1: right, let's go, man. Shoot.
0: All right. The better jersey to wear, the Seahawks teal or the USC red? Ooh, oh, that's uh, not oh.
1: Seahawks teal. Yeah, I got to go right the fire, right? Teal, right. Man. I mean,
0: you can, think, you can think about it if you want. Okay. All right. All right. Would you rather record a sack and forced fumble or an interception?
1: Uh, there's something about the interception. I do love the hard hits on the sack mm-hmm. and fumble, but – there's something about the interception and like even just as you catch it, you hear the crowd erupt that Exactly. I'm talking like just sends chills even to this day. So I, I'm going to go with the interception. That's uh, that was the play I was known for. Okay. I like it.
2: Let me join in on the fun. I want to ask a couple questions as well, man. <laughs> got, I got one for you. Lofa. Would you rather score a big contract with zone in CBD or get your dream guests on your podcast?
1: Ooh, Um, tough one. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go big. Would you say big
0: contract with Zoya? Yeah, you'll end end a big contract. You get your dream guest. Yeah,
1: yeah. Go big contract, and then I'll go back for the uh, the guest the next time.
0: Uh, Do you know? Do you know who the guest would be?
1: Oh man, dream guest. Let's see. I don't. I can't. I don't even have an answer for that one right now because it would have to be someone that the listeners would want to talk. It's a Seahawks podcast, so um, I would get the Legion of Boom back together. Okay. I like all that. All members of the Legion. I'm not just the DBs, but no. you know, all the yeah, D-lines. That's the, best best the greatest best. defense they ever played because they, exactly. they did it for four years. And this is, you know, I catch a lot of shit when, you know, like, oh, the Ravens, the Bucks, you know, even the, the 85 Bears, the – the Seahawks did it for four straight years, number yeah. one in scoring defense. And it was pretty I, I don't know if that will ever happen
0: again, man. That's true, and it's it's kind of a, a shorter shelf life. All right, Lofa, you can eat one bread type for the rest of your life. What type of loaf are you picking? You know how to get a pun in there.
1: I figured you would go with that one. Uh, sourdough, for sure.
0: Okay. That's a good one. All right. Would you rather for the rest of your life only have hot drinks or cold food?
1: Ah, uh, cold food. Yeah, I don't mind cold food. I mean, I I don't ever really heat anything up. If I get a steak and it's left over, I just eat it cold. I eat cold pizza. Yeah, but hot drinks, man. That's you don't want that's a hot a, drink. You it's don't want coffee, a hot it's coffee, That's yeah. it.
0: You know, Lofa, my microwave actually broke today. So the irony of me asking you this question when I'm only going to eat cold food the next couple of days. You do <laughs> um, Yeah, yeah. All right. I don't have a choice. Would you rather always hit a red light for the rest of your life or always get slow internet after the sun goes down?
1: Oh, red light, man. I'm not in a rush to drive anywhere. I leave early. So so I arrive on time.
0: <laughs> All right. That's an easy one. That, uh,
2: what's that Mike Tyson one you have?
0: All right. Mike would Tyson. you rather would you rather fight Mike Tyson once or you have to talk like him the rest of your life?
1: Uh, if if you fight Mike Tyson once, you might end up talking like him the rest uh, of your that's life. The well,
0: that's a, that's yeah. the answer. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm going to talk like him. I'm
1: going to talk like Mike.
0: Uh, you know what, Lofa? <laughs> I have, out of all the athletes we've talked to, I would peg you as someone that could probably take him more than others. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, used,
1: I could take a hit back in the day. I don't know if I could anymore. Luckily, me and him both love cannabis. So it would never come to that. I was All just right. going to
2: say, that'd be a good guess for uh, the
0: podcast as well, right? Right? Yeah. 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 All right. So cannabis question, sativa or indica? Sativa. Yeah. I right.
1: need to go up. And like, that's what, if anybody's listening and they're curious about cannabis, so, you know, indica can bring you, you down, you know, mellow you out. So if you're up, up, up here, like, you know, on the move, go, go, go. You need to calm down. You need to smoke indica or, you know, try indica. And for me, I am so even-keeled, just chill. I need to go up. So I, a sativa only for me.
0: I love it. We got two more here. <laughs> Would you rather ruin the surprise at a surprise party or show up and realize too late that it's a black tie event? Oh
1: no, your black tie event. I don't I don't I'll be underdressed. I don't care. I'll pull it off somehow. But you don't want to ruin the
0: surprise. That's don't what I'm that, saying. Don't be I, that guy. It's more of like, okay, I didn't realize versus, oh, I feel bad. So. Yeah. I'm with you, you on that.
1: You can't undo. Like if I show up not ready or underdressed, I can leave. But if I can't undo the the surprise,
0: right? it's always going to stick with them too they're going to be You're like hey be we're right never now. inviting lofa to another party again yeah,
1: so you remember lofa no nah. you remember the guy that ruins the press? oh that guy
0: yeah true true yeah,
2: you
1: don't want to be that guy
0: all right so the last one here and this is an important one do you pull your toilet paper from the top or the bottom top yeah it's always the top what what
1: because the bottom what? you know how gravity works man the other bottom can just run
0: no, you but think about them.
1: it. What's what's easier to do? Shin ups or pull ups? You you're you are an absolute psycho. That's it.
0: if there's one thing that you've taken away in the 30 minutes we've known each other, is that I'm a psycho. And I'm proud to say that then. Us bottom brawlers, we gotta stay together. But Lofa, really appreciate you coming on and taking My wife puts it on the bottom
1: way and I always turn it around.
0: Oh my your wife's smart. Your wife's yeah. smart. Yeah.
1: Or or a psycho? I don't know. I'm okay. You guys are smart. I'm a psycho.
0: I, you know what? In case she's watching, we're we're all smart people here. But Lofa, before we get you out of here, I want to give you the opportunity to plug anything that you're working on, where they can find Zone CBD, where they can find you on the socials, any good yeah. stuff you're working on.
1: Uh yeah, Lofa to, to lofa underscore tatupu. Usually, I'm mostly on Instagram. Um, you know, I do a little bit on Twitter, but that's usually. One of my boys helps me out with that. Um, 1937 Farms, if you are in Washington, in the uh, it's in the legal, recreational cannabis industry. And uh, we're in most shops out here in the Seattle area. And then uh, Zone and CBD, you can find out more at zoneandcbd.com. This is my new passion, and I'm um, forever grateful for it. And uh, I want to thank you guys and, and Triple Play, your new uh, sponsor. Congrats on that, man. That's huge. Oh, definitely. And, appreciate uh, it. And, uh, yeah. Tell, tell, tell Pops I love him and I appreciate everything he did for me as a kid. And, uh, you know, I, I miss him, man. I really look up to him.
2: Yeah, most definitely. Um, it was awesome to see we could get together and it was easy to contact you because uh, it was somebody that I really didn't think of uh hitting up on social media. And then he said, I was like, why didn't I think of that? Like, that's the perfect guest to bring on, right?